Morning, everyone. My name is Lee. If I haven't met you before, um, it's great to have you here. And if you're on the live stream, thanks for joining us. Keep your Bibles open to that passage in Colossians 3. That's where we're going to be spending our time together. Um, a little while ago, we bought a indoor plant. It's a palm, I think. Unless anyone's going to tell me otherwise. Okay. I don't know. I don't know anything about plants. This story reveals that. Anyway, this guy, we decided to call the palm Clive Palmer. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure many of you have done that. It's not like anything that exciting. Anyway, Clive spent some time at the beginning, um, which was only like last year, uh, in our living room next to a big open window and he would get the morning sun. But then our littlest, um, when she joined our family, uh, was crawling around we decided to move Clive into our bathroom under the skylight. And uh, pretty soon it became clear that Clive um, needed more sun. His leaves started to go brown and saggy. He just looked sad. Poor Clive. And uh, anyway, so we moved him to our front porch where he is now. And he's never looked better. I think he looks pretty good. Yeah. Um, he can probably do some stints inside every now and then. But he's at his best when he's outside. And I reckon most of us here are a lot like Clive Palmer. (laughs) Yeah. Never thought you'd hear that in a sermon, right? Well, I think we're at our best when we're not at home. When we're at work with clients and co-workers, we're at our best. Um, When we're with friends, sometimes relatives, we're usually at our best. When we're at church, boy... We're at our best. That's when we really put on a show. Um, if you spend any time on social media, you know, we are trying to capture our best moments, our best selves. Um, but when we're at home, we're often at our worst. We're less patient, less polite, less kind, more angry, more selfish, more irritating. Maybe it's because of exhaustion. Um, from a long day or a long week, or maybe it's because we take for granted those we love the most. Um, And this is true for me. Um, As our family life has gotten particularly hectic over the past 12 months, um, it's been true for me. I spend a lot of time with people during my week, lots of you, lovely people, um, and I put a lot of effort into making sure I'm listening and communicating well and caring and all that sort of stuff, and then I get home and I get lazy. And I don't think it's just me. I'm sure it's true um, for many of you. And it's probably not just a 21st century issue either. Because as Paul starts to encourage his readers to clothe themselves with love, you can see that in verse 12, um, bear with each other, forgive one another, and live at peace. What's the specific context that he immediately thinks of? Households. And so today, I want to begin with the question Anton ended his sermon with last week. How do we proclaim Christ? Specifically, how do we proclaim Christ in our homes? As verse 17 puts it, how do we do home life in the name of Jesus? It's perhaps the hardest place for most of us, or the place where we've made most of the mistakes. Um, And households are not all the same for all of us here. You may live on your own. Um, You may live with a friend or two. Uh, You may live with your kids 
Um, some, some of the time or all of the time, uh, you may live with a spouse, you may live with a spouse and kids, um, and maybe even with your in-laws. And I'm sure there's other options out there as well. And you may own your home or you may be renting where you live as well. Um, and so how do we proclaim Christ in the home that we live in? Well, the big thing that this passage is highlighting um, is that we invite Jesus into our homes. If you hear nothing else, just that. Invite Jesus into your home. Whether you're on your own, whether you're the only Christian in your household, or there's many of you that are Christians, invite Jesus in. And not just as a guest, but as a, a member of your household. How do we do that? First, we let the message of Christ dwell in our homes. Paul says that in verse 16 to believers in general, but the idea of dwell um, just brings to to mind that home idea. Um, We want to bring the message of Jesus in richly. We want to teach and warn each other with all wisdom. Um, The way we invite Jesus in is by inviting the message of Jesus, the gospel truths that we love. We talk about it. We sing it if others are keen to do that. Uh, We read about it together. It features in our conversations when issues get brought up. Now, think about your home situation. How much does the message of Jesus feature in your home? How much does it get brought up? And even if you're living on your own, how can you be making it a feature of the time that you spend when you're at home? Um, If you're living with those, with people in your home who don't believe, um, then I think you need a lot of wisdom about how you bring it up. Um, If you have young kids in your home, I find you need to just be really creative all the time and vary things a lot. Um, If you've got teenagers, you need to be patient and wise and creative all the time. Um, At the moment for us, we have a we have young kids and we have set a time each night before bed and that's been working well for a number of years. Um, my oldest is very insistent that we do it, so that's very that's good. Um, but Bronnie and I need to make sure that it's not just a, at a set time, that we're bringing it up at other times, meal times, board game times, car trips, when reading books, after Cornerstone at church. Um, there's many times to be bringing it up. Um, But if you're struggling to talk about it with those in your home for one reason or another, um, then be encouraged by these words from Paul Tripp. If we want to teach our children to run to Jesus daily, we must run to Jesus daily. If we want our children to be sad in the face of the sin in their hearts and hands, we must mourn our sin as parents as well. Um, And I would add that we mourn our sin in front of our children Um, And you can apply that to whoever's in your home, not just children. If Jesus is front and centre of our lives, then whoever is in our homes, we're bringing the message of Jesus in, not just with words, but with the lives that embody the message, which brings us to the second way we invite Jesus into our home. We clothe ourselves in Christ's character. Anton talked about this last week. Uh, Verse 12, we're to clothe ourselves in compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Verse 13, forgiveness. Verse 14, love, which is like the overarching thing of them all. Verse 15, peace. 
This is how we're to treat each other, how all Christians are meant to treat everyone. Um, these are the characteristics we're meant to, to put on all the time. And so the idea of reducing a marriage to wives submit and husbands love is too simple. Just as it would be to say to children, obey and parents don't embitter. There's more to being like Christ. There's more to loving each other. But so why does Paul single out these things in verse 18 onwards? Well, they're all characteristics Jesus displayed. Um, so they haven't just been plucked out randomly. Jesus submitted to his father and the unjust governing authorities. Jesus loved the world by laying down his life. He submitted and loved. Jesus obeyed his father and honoured children who others thought were a nuisance. He obeyed and he didn't embitter. So why single these things out? Well, because back in Jesus' day, there was a huge power imbalance in homes. Kind of like this. Husbands, parents and masters were at the top. And wives, children and slaves were at the bottom. Households were very different back then. You would have masters and slaves and tenants all living together and other family members. And so think about what did Jesus do when he was at the top? What did he do with his power, authority and responsibility? He loved. He laid down his life. He was gentle with the lowly. He lifted them up and served them. What did Jesus do when he found himself in a lowly position? He submitted and obeyed willingly. Paul's not saying a husband can't submit and be like Jesus in that way. And it's not that a wife can't love and be like Jesus in that way. Jesus calls everyone to serve, to lower ourselves, to be a slave of all. 1 John 3.16 says true love is laying down one's life for one another. Philippians 2, verses 3 to 4, says to all Christians, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. That's God's call on all of us. Jesus is serving humble love that has captured our hearts, is both our joy and our struggle to imitate in all relationships. Um, not least with those we love the most, um, who we might live with. I've given nearly a dozen wedding sermons, talks in the past few years, um, and none of the couples have chosen these verses for me to speak on. Um, all the more expanded versions in Ephesians and 1 Peter 3. Um, actually, many have sat me down and told me specifically not to mention these words at all. Uh, which I think is fair enough. Why? Well, tragically, the virtue and beauty of submission that Jesus displayed has been grossly misapplied, used to justify abuse and domestic violence, taught in a way that allows husbands to justify being controlling, leaving wives bending to the needs of their husbands, while husbands freely assert their dominance. Or at the very least, 
leading to favouring husbands' comforts, opinions, schedule, career and interests. And honestly, that's just so far from what Paul's envisaging here. So far from it. Uh, Rebecca McLaughlin sums up what our passage is really nicely. It's a withering critique of traditional gender roles in its original context and today. In the drama of marriage, the wife's needs come first and the husband's drive to prioritise himself is cut down with the acts of the gospel. Um, Sarah and Anton spoke about this late last year on submission and domestic violence. Uh, And a little while before that, I spoke on divorce. Um, So go to our website and check out those talks. Um, What I will say, and I think can't be said enough, is that this passage and others don't encourage or justify abuse or domestic violence. And so if you, you are or you think you are, or if you think someone else in your home might be being physically, emotionally, verbally, financially, sexually, or spiritually abused, then please seek help. Please talk to someone. Call 1-800-RESPECT. Speak to someone at All Saints that you trust. Um, Church communities aren't immune from this stuff. We know that, and we want to help So, rather than boxing our households into specific relationship roles, Paul is here telling us to stare at Jesus, see the beauty of the gospel, and display it in all relationships in our lives. And so, I'm going to, for the rest of this talk, think about the other relationships in and around our households um, and how these principles can apply. Parents. As Christian parents, more than anything, we want our children to know the depth of their sin and God's love and grace for them, which is even deeper. We can't force them to love God. We can't wrap them in bubble uh, bubble wrap from the world. But I reckon there are a few ways, verse 21, that we can adorn the gospel and encourage our children rather than embitter and discourage them from faith. The first one is, if Jesus is in our home, we must show the most concern for their relationship with Jesus. I know for me, I can get distracted by whether my kids are reaching their developmental milestones, doing well with friends, socially at school, dance, soccer, swimming. I see this in how much my conversations with them are around those things, and even with other parents when I talk about my children, is about those things. If 90% of the time my kids see me concerned about how they're succeeding in these things, then what will they be anxious and concerned about? Sometimes our kids will tell us to lay off on the Jesus stuff, maybe as they get older. And to some extent we need to respect that. Um, but it can't hurt to show genuine concern for their faith all the time. Uh, We also need to make sure that we're not concerned with where... um, Sorry, we need to make sure that we're concerned with where their hearts are at, um, not just their behaviour. It's easy to think that our kids are doing great with Jesus and God because they're just so obedient and they behave well. That's just not the case. Um, 
we need to know that they understand God's grace. How can they under, how can they know God's grace if they don't think they need it? If they're told that they're just always good. Second, oh, I already had it up there. Secondly, if Jesus is in our home, we need to show the most concern for our relationship with Jesus. Like I said before, if we want our kids to mourn their sin and run to Jesus, we need to, they need to see us run to Jesus and mourn our sin. I think saying sorry is a really big part of this. Just think about it. If we never or rarely say sorry to our kids, but expect them to say sorry all the time, not only will we frustrate and embitter them, um, but we're giving them a false image of ourselves, an image that doesn't need forgiveness and grace when we do. They need to see us prioritizing our relationship with Jesus, not our work, not our hobbies, not our home. What do our kids see us getting most excited and passionate about? What do they see, mostly see us doing in our downtime? Do they see a love for Jesus? All right, children. I don't know if there's any, there's a little baby over there. <laughs> um, I, so as a parent, let's think about children. The thing we most want from, the thing I, want, I think this is true for you guys as well, the thing we most want from our kids isn't their thanks and their gratitude for all the things we give them, though we do want that, um, or their best effort in everything they do, um, or even just obedience. We don't just want obedience. When Paul mentions obedience here, he has in mind the obedience that flows from a heart that loves God. You know, that, that is doing this to please the Lord, as it says in verse 20. And so if, as parents, we want heartfelt, grace-fueled obedience from our children, then we need to talk about that then. We need to have open conversations about where they're at, where their heart is at, um, rather than just being... You're not doing the right thing. You are doing the right thing. Um, what about relating to our elderly parents? Um, if we still have parents who are alive, um, well, have compassion on them. Those things back in verse 12 are really helpful. Be gentle with them um, as they struggle with losing their independence. Be generous with them as they seek your help with technology or get into appointments or all sorts of things. We'll talk about housemates at night, church. So you can come if you want to find out about that. Um, I thought I'd talk about tenants. Some of you may be renting. We're renting. Um, love your house or unit as if it were your own. Um, I know as a seasoned renter that I can often be like, well, it's not my home, so I'm not really going to bother putting in that much effort. Um, we're not slaves um, as tenants, but the idea of not taking care of their property um, when their eye is um, not on us still applies. So uh, if you look at verse... Yeah, it's up there. So we still... You know, we don't just do it when it's inspection time, tidy up all the, like the house. We do it all the time. Um, and ultimately, we're doing this out of reverence for Jesus not for our landlords. We're working for the Lord, verse 23. Verse 24, um, everyone here, whether you're renting or not, knows that your true home is in heaven. Landlords, um, chapter 4, verse 1, provide what is right and fair. 
Be generous if you're a landlord. Don't do dodgy fix-up jobs. Don't be cheap. Maybe ask them how they're going financially before you put up the rent. Um, If you have a tenant living with you in your home, um, as much as possible, make them feel at home. Check in on them. Be generous. Invite them um, to join you for a meal. What about those of you who are on your own? Um, Look, your relationships may not predominantly revolve around your household, but I encourage you to think about how you can clothe yourself with these characteristics in other significant relationships in your life. Um, And for all of us, you know, you might want to think about times you find yourself in an elevated position um, or a lower position. You know, if you're a boss or a team leader at work or in a community group, are you being fair and right? Do you serve or are you an intimidating person and proud of it? If you're an employee or a volunteer, are you working as you would for Jesus or do you grumble and undermine others' responsibilities? All for Jesus. Relationships that revolve around our households are hard. Um, It's easy to get stuck in not-so-great patterns of relating to one another, um, but the simple message of doing this for Jesus helps me. Look how many times... Paul says in these verses, how many times he reminds his readers to keep Jesus as their inspiration. Let the Jesus you've invited into your life and into your home be the one who helps you in your weakest moments. In the hardest moments, in the weakest moments, let Jesus be your strength and inspiration. And as Paul says in the next section, which is not up there, um, chapter 4, verse 2, whatever your household looks like, Pray, pray for wisdom and strength and that by clothing yourself with Christ, God will open doors, give you opportunities to proclaim Christ. I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to sing. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for the way that you've treated us. I thank you for your son that he stepped down from heaven, that he lowered himself for his obedience and submission to you. Um, for laying down his life, for his love and grace and humility towards us. Um, Help us to see the beauty of your love for us and imitate that in all areas of our life. Give us strength particularly to do that at home. Um, Yeah, and seek help where that's needed. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.